And we are back for episode six of the Make It Rain podcast. I am your host, Ryan Carlock, and I'm coming to you live today. It is Monday. Today's the 13th. And uh, I've talked about the number 13 before and how uh, people associate it as being the unlucky number. And I don't believe that at all. I believe that the, the, the number 13 means it's not by chance. So there's a reason for it. And this morning I woke up and found a prominent figure on Twitter that I follow posting images about the ancient Egyptians and the giants that existed. And so I figured, you know what, today's a perfect time for us to talk about myth versus reality, uh, truth versus fiction, and how to distinguish the two. Um, We are in a really weird predicament in this world where we've all been taught to believe a certain set of rules and ideals, and we've all been taught to think a certain way, and to think outside that box, as I described in uh, prior episodes, um, the 12 inches of a ruler, to think outside the box often tends to put us in situations where one, we're either taken advantage of, or two, we are exploited. And um, exploitation can be from friends and family members who uh, think you're crazy and off your rocker. It can be from people online who are taking your ideas and running with them and trying to get credit for discovery. And it happens all the time to me. I will post something on Twitter and then somebody two, three days later will come out and they have a massive following and they'll post the same information. And I'll see their massive falling, go nuts over it, and I don't get any attention. And, you know, for me, as I drive under this 13-foot, 11-inch bridge, (laughs) the gate's 11, 13, not by chance, right? You're listening to this for a reason. But um, as I see these people post this information and I think to myself, oh, you know what? They probably got that from my feed. Well, number one, probably not. Number two, that's really, really conceited for me to think that way. And number three, even if they did, and now they're sharing it and people are waking up, you've done your job in the first place. And this goes all back to the post this morning that I posted two, three days ago about the ancient Egyptians and how they were masters of proportion and scale, how they were, they were absolute geniuses when it came to the sciences, what they called the mystery schools. And I think this is the future of where science is going to go over the next 100 years. I'll, I will probably in my lifetime, by the time I'm 50, in the next 20 years, I will, or 19 years, I will probably witness the successful co- combination of man and artificial intelligence or machine or android. And I, I can just see into the future. I know what's coming. I've, I've just been that way my whole life. I've been able to not, I'm not saying that I can you know, clairvoyance or anything like that, but I can look at what's happening in the world and come to a reasonably good conclusion of what the future is going to hold. I've just always been able to do that. And I mean, back in sixth grade, I remember when the iPhone was about to come out and it was like two years out and I was reading all these rumors online and I was telling my friends, I said, look, you know, Apple's going to come out with this phone. That's just a screen. There's no buttons. And then sure enough, a year and a half later, Apple comes out with a phone that's just a screen, no buttons. And then I turn around and I say, look, you know, they're going to come out with a phone that's two screens and foldable. And that was that was right after Apple came out with that. I started talking to my dad. I'm like, yeah, it won't be long. They'll have two screens. It'll be foldable. And you just fold it in your pocket. And sure enough, Samsung comes out or Samsung or whoever over in China, Japan, comes out with a foldable LED screen. So where society is going is just repetition of the past. 
And I think my own perspective in my life has lent to me being able to figure that out. And, and, and I don't know why I've been through the things I've been through in my life, many different things. I look back on and wonder, why me? Why out of all people on this earth, why did I have to go through that? And it's many things. Um, but to, to know that it has put me in a place where I see perspective before others makes me know that I'm on the right track at least, right? So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and boast. I'm not going to sit here and think that I'm high and mighty because I can see what's going to happen before it happens. Um, all I have the ability to do is to take world events and take events from events and happenings and data from across multiple different sources and apply that together to come to come up with a pretty reasonable picture of what the future is going to look like. Pardon me as I get a drink of my coffee here. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. I just got out of the house and I need to wake up. But anyway, so since I met my wife, and you can go back to uh, the first and second episodes to, to learn that story. Um, the moment I met my wife, I had all of a sudden, instantaneously, uh, nearly within a day or two of me actually meeting her the first time, I had this overwhelming pit in my stomach. Um, that I was going to marry her and that I needed to research ancient Egypt. I don't know why. I just, something in my gut just kept saying, research ancient Egypt. I've called you to research ancient Egypt. You're my chosen person to figure it out. The hidden, the hidden, like that's what I felt, right? Like, okay, maybe I can figure this out. And so that was 10 years ago when I first met my wife. And uh, just last spring, I look over and I see on my wife's neck a freckle pattern and I go, there's no way because she has on her neck a freckle pattern of the constellation Orion or at least Orion's belt and another star. So there's four stars on her neck that are exactly the same as Orion. And so I stopped for a second and I thought, you know, that's just coincidence. That's just by chance. And luckily today's the 13th. It's not by chance, right? That's the point. It's unlucky, meaning it was meant to be. And then I go, just this this summer, the last two weeks uh, prior to this episode, I've been researching the heavens and the constellations, and I find that my life closely mirrors, to a certain degree, not exactly the same, but closely mirrors that of Orion. And Orion was the hunter, Okay. He's, he's the hunter, and he was trailed by his two dogs, Canis Minor and Canis Major, all right? And Orion would hunt through the sky, and he was always searching after his next meal. He was a god who was, I believe, the son of Poseidon. I can't remember. But anyway, he was a god who lived on Earth, who married Earth women. His first wife was, uh, unfortunately passed away. Um, so I'm not saying that that's where I find significance in the story. But he did find a second wife, and that second wife, her father, his father-in-law, gouged out his own eyes because his second wife accused him of raping her or of beating her. And some people in history will say that he just raped her. Some people in history will say that he was drunk and he just laid hands on her, so her dad got upset. But I look at it, and from my own experience in my life, I look at it and I see that that dad knowing that he was of the genealogy, the line of the gods, who was a king in his own kingdom, looked at his daughter and disapproved of her marrying a half-god, half-man, or god, whatever, 
And out of his jealousy and his fear of being overthrown, he went and gouged out that man's eye so he could no longer lay his eyes upon his daughter. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that that has anything to do with me in terms of I've never cheated on my wife. I've never hit my wife. I would never do that. Right? Um, I would never... I have a great relationship with my father-in-law. But throughout my whole life, I've been persecuted for things that... And crimes that I did not commit. Not crimes, but you know what I mean? When somebody accuses you of doing something that you didn't do and you know you didn't do it, but they're sitting there telling you and telling others that you did it and the other people believe that you're the one who did it. We've all been kids. Right? So the reason why I bring that up is because the three pyramids of Egypt are, in and of themselves, the exact replica of the Belt of Orion. Did you know that the Belt of Orion has three stars? And in fact, each, each one of those stars in the belt has, uh, has a different number of stars. It's, they're really clusters. One of them is one star. The next one is two stars. And the third one is three stars. Okay, one, two, three. So if you go and you look at the pyramids of Egypt, the ones that are built next to the Great Pyramid, we can see that even in scale, the pyramids go one, two, three. So the first is the smallest, the second is double the first, and the third is basically double the second. Or we can say since three and one, the third is a scale replica of the first. So we're looking at incommensurability in stone. They were teaching us, okay? So, and if you wanna learn about that, go and listen to my episode, High Time. It talks about time travel and incommensurability, okay? So the ancient Egyptians not only had vast quantities of knowledge at their disposal, and in fact, did you know that in ancient Egypt, if you wanted to, you could dedicate your life to a mystery school for free and they would bring you into their mystery school kind of like a monk and they would take care of you and they would provide for you so long that you dedicated your life to understanding the mystery of that school. Mind control. Okay? I've often said in the past, the ancient Egyptians had access to so much knowledge that they had to decompartmentalize just the same way our government does. So therefore, in that decompartmentalization, their actual priesthood, quote-unquote, fell apart because some priests looked at themselves to have more knowledge than others, and therefore their sister schools, I guess you could say, if you're talking education, their sister schools of the mystery schools they were teaching were at competition with one another. When in fact, the whole point of the Egyptian teachings is harmony and, and resonance. Which would make sense why the ancient Egyptians had no problem beating the Greeks because the Greeks believed in a pantheon of gods. So did the Egyptians. They were both decompartmentalized. But once the Romans, who had adopted Christian beliefs of good and bad, left and right, came, they destroyed Egypt because Egypt had no ability to defend itself. It had no, it had no consistency throughout its ranks. Okay? So, if you follow Egyptian myth and lore, and you go back to the ancient writings that they were taught were were truth, such as the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Thoth is where we get the word thought. It just means to ponder, really. It just means to think about something at a deep, deep level. To take it deeper and deeper and deeper, because the deeper you go, the more perspective you gain. 
right? And then that's why it talks about uh, going into the halls of Amente and 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 running away from demons. And when the demons would take a circular pattern, um, uh, Thoth would take a straight pattern or a zigzag. And when the demons went into a zigzag or straight pattern, Thoth would take a circular pattern because he was squaring the circle. What he was doing is he was he was fighting against the evil forces using the opposite tactic of what they were doing. So so psychological warfare has been around for eons, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We've been at war with with what I understand to be the principalities and powers of the air. We're at war against spirits, demons, fallen angels, if you want to call them that, inter interdimensional, or you could even say intergalactic. Uh, because I firmly believe that stars are portals to another galaxy, which is just a mirror of what we're in. That would explain how you have, uh, how you have uh, moments of deja vu. That's one explanation. Now, I'm not saying that's the truth. It's one explanation. A parallel universe's timeline bleeding into yours, and therefore two people at the same time, their consciousness collides, and they both have that same moment of, holy crap. And that would explain why in the Matrix, Neo looked back and saw the cat and then looked forward and then looked back again and saw the cat again, somebody's playing with the matrix. Somebody's breaking the rules is the idea. We're not supposed to be able to know that there are other dimensions where we have our own doppelgangers. If that is true, I don't know. I don't know how, how it all works. But what I do know is what's available for us to study on this earth will give us more knowledge than we ever care to have. Because the more knowledge you gain, and this is what the ancient Egyptians were all about, the more knowledge you gain, the more you realize you really don't know Jack. You don't know anything in the grand scheme of things because there's so much information out there that you come into conundrums. Whereas the more you learn about one subject, the less you know about another. So you can't focus all of your attention on multiple subjects is what we're taught. And these are fallacies because we just haven't learned how to use both sides of our brain. So I can think about two subjects at once because I can think about one with the right side and one with the left. I can think about one in a musical sense and I can think about the other in a logical sense. I can think about one in an abstract sense while I'm thinking about it in a, in a, a sense of time or sequential order. So when you marry together the sacred and the profane, and profane not meaning bad, profane just being what they, quote unquote they, I don't know who they are, what the powers that be don't want you to really know is, is, is able to be found, but you have to go search for it. I couldn't, I couldn't sit here and give you the keys and tell you what's really going on because there are certain things you can talk about in public and there's things you can only talk about in private. So for me to come out here and to start dropping information about people or corporations or how the world is structured or, you know, where money goes and how it flows and why, if I were to start going through that and start naming names and describing how it all works, I would be in a situation where I'm, I'm possibly, could possibly very well be, you know, defaming somebody. So the ancient Egyptians, their whole mantra, I guess you could say, was knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you can control not only your reality, but the reality of those around you. And the number one thing that the Egyptians fought against was this idea that they descended from the gods, that their bloodline 
was descending from gods. It's the same idea as many other people in this world today, to this day, have that belief that their bloodline goes back to the gods, the ancient gods. And then it puts them in a situation where they have this false sense of power and superiority over other humans, and therefore they lose all sense of consciousness and will. Uh, Consciousness in will, I should say. Not and will. Um, But in your will, that ability to make a conscious decision about what is and isn't good and right and wrong. And and so the Egyptians, at, at, at their time, back when they... In 2,000 years ago, at the time of Christ, let's just say, at 0 AD, the Egyptians were in a, a situation of what I would like to call uh, uh, societal amnesia. They knew where they came from. They had all the texts and everything that they needed to figure out where they came from and to know the truth. But they were so focused on control of the people and power that they lost sight of the real true meaning behind those texts, which is why they, before the Romans came and destroyed everything and took everything, they would often go and destroy these symbols and these statues and even take these books and hide them slash destroy them so that these Romans couldn't come in and gain access to all this technology, quote unquote, because that's what it is. It really, at the end of the day, Knowledge is power because knowledge in any capacity can be transferred into technology. Knowledge about anything can be there, therefore disposed of, or it can be used in conjunction with other ideas to bring about better solutions. So conflating, I guess, is the term here. When you take something from one, one science and you apply it to another to come to a conclusion of whether or not it can increase the efficiency of, of the, the thing you're looking at. So if I wanted to take the human body and blood and how it functions um, and then uh, apply that to a vehicle, like a, like a car, how much more efficient would that car be? Could we recycle the material? Is there technology available that enables us to do that at today? I don't know. I haven't researched that. That's just a thought, right? Thought. When, when you have enough knowledge about certain certain subjects, like I've got extensive knowledge on anatomy, I've got enough knowledge on chemistry for me to go figure it out, um, I've got extensive knowledge on history, ancient history, sp- specifically Egypt, I've got extensive knowledge on technology, coding and programming, because I've been doing it for seven years, I've got extensive knowledge on insurance and law because I enjoy reading that stuff. I'm licensed insurance. I have been for 10 years. So I have plenty of background for me to have a pretty good picture about how this world works. And so taking that and and trying to give you a message as to what the significance of the ancient Egyptians, well, getting back to the post I saw today on Twitter, he was talking about how um, the ancients uh, talked about giants in the earth and giants, real giants. Like we're talking, uh, you know, 15, 20, 30, 50 foot tall, maybe even 200 feet tall. Okay. There is a fellow out of Illinois, um, Roger with Mud Fossil University on YouTube. Go check him out. He uh, has DNA certified evidence of, of giant bones that he found. Now, that's DNA certified by a by a by a, a real lab. So if we're going to take that and understand that 
we have kaolin clays in our skin and the earth is made out of kaolin clay and the earth is made out of iron and magnesium and copper and all gold do you know there's gold in your body do you know that there's gold in your body you had no clue how's there gold in your body well fusion chem that is that is what our body is is a machine it takes chemicals and combines them and then when it's com- when they're combined that's a tangent which gives you multiple different forms of chemicals so at some point chemicals in our bodies ha- have combined to create gold that or the gold was there from the beginning anyway that would explain to us why the ancient Egyptians believed that we descended from the gods because we had gold in our veins and they believed that the, that the Egyptians had gold in their veins. Um, they also believed that uh, the sun the sun was sweating gold. They, they thought that gold came from the sun, so therefore their logic put together that the sun was God, that the fallen gods, the giants of the earth, they were made out of gold or at least had gold in their blood and so did we so we must come from the sun therefore they looked at the sun and they called him horus lord of the air okay and they tracked their time based off of the lord of the air because that is who gives us signs and seasons they could track him and 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 he would tell them what's going to happen before it happens because they've been through it okay that's how the sun and horus in ancient egyptian became a deity is is their understanding at that time of how everything worked led to that point now the ancient egyptians the kings would bring their pre their princes into and their priests into the hall of records okay and the hall of records is a place where they tracked all of the names and years of reign and rule of all the kings for like thirty-two thousand years back Thirty-two thousand years Hold on a second. If I believe that the earth is 6,000 years old because that's what the Bible tells us, well, maybe we can take what also what the Bible tells us that the that a day is to a thousand years and a thousand years is to as to a day for the Lord, and then we can say, well, you know what? Maybe the first 7 days were each thousand years, so that brings us to 11,000 years. So man, we're we're pretty close to 32,000. You know what? Maybe our own perception of time in and of itself makes us you know, uh, I guess you could say cyclical in nature, meaning our history is only what we perceive it to be. I don't know. But anyway, in ancient Egypt, the Hall of Records was their tracing their lineage back to the gods. That's what this all comes down to. That's what this whole game is about. Okay? Is they believe that their power was divinely given... And their royalty from being of these gods, of the gods of old, the men of renown, and their genealogy gave them the false sense of superiority, whereby they got, uh, I guess you could say, uh, cocky. And they let their guard down. And when Rome came in with logic and reasoning and strategy, okay, rather than plurality, when Rome came in with Julius Caesar and the Caesar cipher, so nobody could decipher what he was doing. Did you know Julius Caesar was the first person to use a cipher in communications? Cryptology? Cryptography? But in, in ancient Egypt, 
when they when they wanted to put out a message, they did it in symbol, right? And they did it right out in front of you. So in Egypt, when you walked around the buildings and the temples, especially the temples, when you went in there, you were being told a story. Everywhere you looked, you were being indoctrinated with symbology. And symbology can be powerful depending on the, um, I talked about this last episode, the, the intent of the user of that symbol. So what was to stop ancient Egyptian priests from understanding the true meaning of the hieroglyphics and giving the, the society an altered or bastardized version of said truth? Nothing is to stop that. And that would explain why Egypt fell. Because they were more focused on hiding the truth than putting the truth out there and letting people decide for themselves. That's why with the advent of Rome, when Julius Caesar came and conquered Egypt, it was swift and easy. Because he was a left-right thinker. He wasn't thinking... He wasn't thinking at a 40,000-foot view. He already had that 40,000-foot view, and he maintained it in his mind. And maintaining that in his mind, he was able to go down to the ground and make decisions on the ground that would no longer affect that 40,000-foot view. It would only play out the way he wanted it because he could keep his communication secure. Anyway, past that, the ancient Egypts... Uh, ancient Egyptian, ancient Egypt uh, mythology of half man, half God is seen all over the world. Every single ancient society, the Sumerians, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the every single one has stories of the gods coming to earth, giving technology to man, mating with man, having offspring, which were monsters, which were giants, which were the men of old, the men of renown, the strong gods who came to earth, the chimeras, half man, half beast. Did you know that uh, this time last year, I think it was August or September of last year, both China and Japan announced that they had successfully brought a half man, half ape to full term in, in a Petri dish? They aborted it, of course. If they're bringing it to full term and they're announcing it, do you really think that they've brought it to full term and haven't aborted it? I think so. I think they've already taken it past that point to see what happens. And you end up with a half animal, half human who thinks it's human, but it is not. So therefore, what happens to its soul? When we start to splice DNA and play genetic manipulation, we are playing God. And what happens to anybody in the history of the world who tries to play God? What happens to them? They're smited. Because you can't become God. Now, God can use you. You can become a vessel for God to use you. But that's not you being God. That's a higher power coming in and using you to fulfill its will. It has nothing to do with, with you and your power. Now, you may have been granted with the knowledge to be able to help in those situations in your own viewpoint with the creator working through you because of of what you've experienced. But that's not you necessarily. That's what you've been exposed to. 
So we have to take a step back and realize that we are just experiencing this world. We're really not controlling anything. And when we think we have ultimate control is when we've really lost all, all bearings. Um, if I were to fool myself and say that some of the miraculous things that I've accomplished in my life or seen or witnessed in my life or have been able to predict came from me, I would be taking the place of, of the true creator who created me and gave me the ability to think this way. Because it's not me who's doing it. It's the spirit dwelling within me that comes to logical conclusions and can, uh, and can see you know, the, the world for what it really is. It speaks from within truth comes and and we and we all have lost this because we believe that if we read a headline we understand the picture that's where we are average humans attention spans 3 to 6 seconds you scroll facebook you don't even open up the the uh, the post anymore you just like it because you like the title of the post trump says all women are racist like share and then you go in and you find out it's babylon b and it's a it's a gag website it's fake right where we are as a society and you see it every day i enjoy twitter more than facebook because you're at least laying the information out most of the time in text so that way people are at least reading your words for what they are and not somebody else's to then come to a logical conclusion which they think is logic and it's not it's the absolute opposite you're you're using assumption to build a truth or a fallacy and that makes absolutely no sense that's like me saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to get in my car. I'm not going to check the gas, and I'm going to go drive from New York to California, and I'm going to assume that I'm going to make it. Well, how? How are you going to make it if you only have half a tank? You're not. So you have to look at the evidence to come to a proper conclusion. The ancient Egyptians fell into this same fallacy where they believed that everything they had at their disposal, all the knowledge that they had access to was going to save them because they had come to a certain understanding and their one mystery and they had made that the absolute truth for everything, which it's not. Every science has its own formulas, its own way of, of formulating action in order to receive a result. And then science always starts with something which is a theory. And so for people, like this happened to me, for me to go out and say, I wonder if this, this, or this is the case instead of this. And people say, wow, you're such an idiot. How am I an idiot for taking the first step into scientific theory or the scientific method, which is to establish a theory? How am I an idiot for following the scientific method and establishing a theory to begin with, trying to think about logically what it could possibly be the problem and then saying all right now let's look at the evidence am i right or wrong that's science or that's at least what it should be science has become i'm going to make an assumption and i'm going to find all the evidence i can to support my theory rather than people you know put, checking their pride at the door and realizing that man we can be really wrong sometimes but that's okay because when you find out that you are wrong at least now you know what's right so the intercommingling of fallen gods with man further corrupted us as human beings after the fall of man just through Adam and eating of the tree as a symbology, as a metaphor, right? The first taste of knowledge of good and evil then brought about all of these nasty, deep, dark things that just infiltrated our world. 
Because with the understanding of good and evil, now we have what we call free will. We have the ability now to go make a choice. And I talked about this before. You don't just have the choice to go left or the choice to go right. You have the choice to go left, right, or straight to an angle or at a circle. So you can, you can choose one of three options at any time. You can go off on a tangent and just, you know, completely ignore the options ahead of you. Or you could choose one of the two that are given to you and then therefore you're exposed to three more. That's in prior episodes. Go read them or go listen to them. But it's the same thing we're looking at now going back through all ancient societies. Did you know there's 452 accounts of a worldwide cataclysmic flood? Where did that flood come from? As in the days of Noah? You know, somebody asked Jesus, uh, Lord, how will we know when it is the end of the world? And he looked at him and said, as in the days of Noah, it will so, ta- so too shall it be in the end. What were the days of Noah like? Well, they were giving and receiving in marriage and eating and, and laughing and loving on each other. And they had no care in the world. They were all just so confident that life was great. There were giants on the earth. There were half men, half gods because the sons of God uh, in, in Genesis talks about the sons of God uh, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they came to earth and uh, they mated with the daughters of man and they bore children and those children became the men of old, the men of renown, the giants of the earth. And giants can be figurative and literal. There were literally very tall giants. And you can go back through newspaper clippings all over Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, way back to the 18, 17, 1600s. And you'll find newspaper clippings of giant skeletons and giant bodies being found that are 12 to 14 feet tall, 12, 15 feet tall. There was one in Illinois, I believe, or maybe even Indiana that was found that was 12, 13 feet tall. It had green uh, scaly skin and and uh, uh, reptilian eyes with 10-inch nails and two sets of teeth, two rows of teeth. We're talking absolute monstrosities that were on this earth. And now, ooh, the reptilians. You know, there's a lot of people who claim to be abducted by reptilian beings. They claim to be abducted by gray aliens. You know, that I've had very paranormal experiences in my life. I believe aliens exist on one level or another, but I don't believe that they're from other planets. They're either intergalactic from another galaxy, that's a mirror image of ours, or they're demonic. Those are the only two conclusions I can come to. And they do exist. I know this for a fact. I've got firsthand account and I've got secondhand account of of experiences that have happened by people that I trust. So what does that mean then? What what is this great conundrum or what are these alien beings quote unquote? Well alien just means not of this world or not of this place. So if they're not of this world and this world in and of itself could could mean this age, this this current predicament that we've been in for the last Two to 4,000 years, really. 2,000 years specifically. This predicament that our society has been in perpetual 
a perpetual state of amnesia. We have no clue where we came from. We have no clue what happened in the past. We have no clue how any of these structures all over the world were built. We have no clue how any of the technology in the past works. We have no clue how to do free energy. We have no clue how to find, you know, uh, how to find new sources of fuel. We have. Are you sure we have no clue? Are you sure? Because all the evidence I've seen points to the fact that we do have the ability to do these things and we choose not to. Why? Because knowledge is power. And when you know about something, it brings about opportunity to capitalize. And a lot of people will capitalize on things in this world by creating a patent, which then means you own the information that you're sharing. Even though it's rediscovered, you didn't make it up. You just rediscovered it. You can now own it and make money off of it. Okay? That's the world we live in. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying this is why we are where we are today because we're more focused on money and tangible physical things than we are focused on spiritual and ethereal things. Meaning increasing our consciousness and our knowledge and our personal power to, to, to affect our own will at the end of the day. That should be the most valuable thing you think of and the most valuable thing you have access to, the very most valuable thing you have that you could ever have are your eyes because what brings into, what you bring into your brain through your eyes is what makes you who you are. And, you know, there's a reason why there's an eye on the top of the pyramid. Because when you go up that pyramid and you finally get to the top and you have that moment that bing, whoa, now I can see. Now I get it. All you're seeing is this vast open plane with unlimited amounts of pyramids, all with a different jewel at the top that you have to go climb and get. And each time you get one more of those jewels, an infinite amount more pyramids appear in the distance. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's why I've always said, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So it's that conundrum. The more knowledge you gain in one subject, the less knowledge you have in the other. And so when you take your focus to go and learn about the knowledge that you want to gain in that new subject, you start to replace that knowledge on the old subject with new knowledge in perspective, which is all that we're starting to experience today is that the truth about this world is coming out and there's nothing any, any of us can stop it. There's nothing. It's artificial intelligence combined with human ingenuity and, and, and artificial intelligence is bringing all the information of the world and how it really works to the handsets of millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people, billions of people around the world. And those billions of people are interacting with these artificially intelligent algorithms and feeding it even more information and perspective. And it is turning around and telling us what is true and what's not. And what I'm realizing is I already know what's coming. I already know. And we are, by the time I'm 50, I've made this prediction and I'm going to make it again. By the time I'm 50, 50 or 60 years old, there's a 10, 10 year span there that I'm not too sure about. But I would say at least by the time I'm 50 in 19 years, the new celebrities are going to be genetic, are going to be people who willingly submit themselves to be tested on by the government 
with genetic manipulation to activate their God genes, quote unquote, which is really just genetic manipulation of them taking your DNA, your your RNA and, and modifying it, not your DNA, your RNA. And whether or not they're going to just modify the RNA, they may even attach a third strand to your DNA sequence to unlock these hidden genes, therefore protecting us from these quote-unquote bad aliens, these reptilians, these, uh, you know, inter- intergalactic, you know, uh, uh, blood-hungry, warring civilizations. We've got to be able to protect ourselves from them. So that will be the first step is to try and go to man and create superheroes just like we see in Marvel Comics. Because when Stan Lee had these visions back in the 50s of of these fantastical worlds and then children started to read about these fantastical worlds, those children started to believe that it could possibly be true. And then we had Hollywood come out and make movies about all these superheroes and made it highly, highly believable that it could possibly be true. And then what happened was our subconscious minds then clicked and said, you know what, as a, as a human species, we all clicked at some point and said, there's more going on than what meets the eye. And there's more that we can do as a human race. Uh, it goes back to the, the classic story of Babel, the Tower of Babel. The human race could all speak one language. They all came together and said, let's build a, a tower that reaches the heavens and war, and war against the gods. Okay? Let's become like the gods, go up into heaven and war against the gods because we can do anything we put our mind to. And God and his angels saw that they verily could do anything that they put their mind to. So God came and did what? Confused their language. And in confusing their language, the tower fell because they could no longer communicate to build. Well, guess what? Google, you can instantly translate anything you want and learn any language you want. I'm starting to decipher and read languages all over the place. Just because I've been doing it for 10 years, I'm starting to, I, 20 years from now, I'll be bilingual, trilingual, quadlingual, right? But we, we that's only because I have made the conscious decision to make my mind function in a certain way because I have control over my mind. That's where the vast majority of people lie today is they just don't have any control over what they think or what they do. They just do it because they're creatures of habit. They get up, they brush their teeth, they go to work, they sit in their cubicle, they do their work, they go home, they eat their dinner while they're sitting in front of the TV watching their favorite show for two hours. They pass out on their lazy boy only to wake up 2.30 in the morning and go back upstairs to finish the rest of their sleep in their bed to wake up and do the same thing over again. And I still find myself in the same habits of falling asleep on the couch, waking up at 2.30, going to bed. I'm talking about myself here. So we have the ability to change our reality. And that's the whole teaching of the ancient Egyptians and the idea of, of understanding that there were giants on the earth in those days that were huge. And for the people who lived at that time to walk into a, 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 a land, you know, uh, to, to go out and to, and to explore the earth only to be met with these 200 foot tall, half man, half God giants who were basically devouring the earth, eating trees, eating animals, eating anything they could find just to sustain their energy. And they turned around and said, we were but grasshoppers in their sight and, and us to them, meaning we looked like grasshoppers. They could have stepped on us and we would have been done. We would have been done for. 
because they were huge. They were hundreds of feet tall. So that's in the Bible. That's also recorded all over the world of giants being on the earth and giants being half man, half God. So I wanted to bring this this topic out to you guys because I think we're going to start to see this genetic manipulation stuff hit the mainstream really, really soon. And we're going to find out that these multi-billionaire oligopolists, I'm not going to name any names, but the people with all the money and power, well, we already know they've been genetic manipulate, uh, doing genetic manipulation. George W. Bush even talked about, and Bill Clinton talked about cloning and gene manipulation for the benefit of mankind. When have we ever in our history played God to the benefit of mankind. It hasn't happened. It never will happen. We will learn our lesson. We will be shown the true power, glory, and majesty of God on this earth and what he really can do. And it's going to come soon. And I highly encourage you guys to realize what's happening in front of you and to take note. Because these giants of old, the men of renown, the fallen angels, the Nephilim, the sons of God that made it with the daughters of man, they've been here ever since that day that God sent the flood on earth to to clean this earth of all that corruption. They were still here afterward. They still exist to this day. And they may look just like you. They may be just like you. They may, the, these giants, quote unquote, may not even be a giant in height anymore because we are in a world of metaphor and physicality basically bleeding into each other. What's up is down. What's left is right. Everything has meaning. All right, guys, my name is Ryan Carlock. This is episode six of the Make It Rain podcast. I appreciate you coming in here today and listening to me rant about ancient Egypt. And uh, I will be coming back as soon as I get more information about what's going on in the world. And I'll talk to you then.